Welcome everyone into the Everyday Experience Podcast, a show called It's Probably You. I'm your host, LDP, and today I have Leah King, President and CEO of United Way of Tarrant County. Leah, thank you so much for being on the show today. I am so happy to be here with you today. Good, good. It was so cool when your team reached out and just looking through your bio, looking at things about you. I was honored that someone at your position and at your stature wanted to come and talk to us and kind of show the audience and tell the audience a little bit more about you. So I really appreciate it. And we are at Leaves Book and Tea. And I, I so like I'm basic. I keep getting this hibiscus lime. I can't put it down. It is so good. So good. I'll try it at some point, but I have to tell you, you know, when you go to places and sometimes you order the thing, the first thing, yeah, and then you go back for that same thing every time. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to that. I might try it, but I'm having this appleberry, which is honestly divine. <laughs> that is so good. Really and good. this is another reason why, first off, shout out to Tina. This is another reason why I like coming to this space. Tea's amazing, plants galore. This is the kind of vibe you want when you're having a nice little coffee chat, right? So true, lots of light, <laughs> just a great, great environment. <laughs> so I wanted to kind of just talk a little bit about you, right? So one of the things that I didn't know about United Way in general, I had no idea. United Way of Tarrant County, leading nonprofit organization that has worked to improve the lives of those in Tarrant County and throughout North Texas for 100 years years that's right a hundred years that's right november of last year was officially our birthday and so over the course of the next year maybe year and a half we'll be celebrating and really telling people the story about united way looking back and honoring the past but also you know sharing vision for the future yeah and i see the you i see you have the 100 united way pen might have to get a picture of that that that's something that i feel like needs to to go on social media um so in in your role you're responsible for leadership and vision development of the organization, fiscal oversight, growing financial support, developing processes, new initiatives. You've got a lot that you have got to facilitate and make happen. <laughs> There's one or two things. That <laughs> Just, I a, couple. Hit. Just yeah. a couple things. Yeah. <laughs> and it looks like prior to you know your appointment as the president and CEO, and you've been serving in that since November of, of 2019. Right. You've also served as the executive vice president and chief operating officer of United Way of Tarrant County. That's right. So I've been with the organization for six years overall. I've been CEO for about three <laughs> and uh, had a few different roles uh, when I came into the organization. I feel honored to sit down with a CEO, but it, it takes it a, another step further. When I see you, your presence, the way you present yourself, the way you walk in, how kind you are to other people. Oh. I think that goes a long way to showcasing authenticity, right? When you're being able to sit down with someone and you can feel it from across the room. So talk to me about this type of work. Like how does somebody get into it and become a CEO in six years? That's really impressive. Well, thank you. You know, it's really interesting. I am from a family of um, kind of public servants. Yeah. So my dad was in the military oh, and, okay. uh, and my mom uh, initially traveled with the family to support all of us. And then um, my parents split when I was a teenager. And when we came back, she was working, but she always was volunteering. Yeah. And I think seeing both of those examples from my parents and other people in my family just always got me interested in community service. The tough thing was I moved around a lot 
yeah. um, because of the military. And yeah. so when I got to Fort Worth almost 30 years ago, I knew what I wanted to do was to um, say thank you to this community that accepted me when I first oh. got here yeah. and find a way to do that. And it started out just in finding ways to volunteer. So if you find something that you're passionate about and you volunteer, you never know what volunteering with an organization might lead to. Yes. I never in a million years would have expected to work for United Way, let alone lead it. And, um, <laughs> but here I am today. To be the CEO of an organization like this, right? To be that cornerstone, what has that meant to you, especially over this three-year period where you stepped into that space? It's meant so much, and let me tell you why. So think about, you said November 2019 is when I uh, was appointed into this position. Just a few months later, Yep. The world changed. The, the whole world was put on pause like, during that time. Literally. The whole world <laughs> yes. changed. And yeah. I was just like, okay, thank you. Because <laughs> um, we've done this before. Not. And uh, there's no playbook. You've nope. got to figure out how to do this. And I was, even though I had been with the organization, I was still introducing myself as the leader of the organization. Yes. And so it was imperative that I was able to keep the organization and all of our team and our people um, focused and feeling safe and confident and comfortable in their work while also making sure that we were able to serve the needs of the community which were growing immensely yeah. day after day yeah. and so um, it was when I look back it was a, a difficult time in many respects but a very fulfilling time because oh. we're able to see the number of things and the number of lives that we were able to impact. And there's nothing more fulfilling than when you get to go to work every day and know the type of impact that you could have on somebody's life. I think that the type of work that you do is so pivotal and I think it goes unnoticed, right? A lot of people who work in corporate America really only see one side of the coin I think it's unique because you get to see the work that you put in, but it's almost like you immediately can see that impact, right? So what was your approach to leading through such an unprecedented time? Well, first, I just prayed and I asked God, I'm like, okay, help yeah. me yeah. to be the kind of leader that the organization needs at this time. Yeah. But my approach was this. Number one, make sure that everybody on the team knew what we were doing, why we were doing it, get their feedback and input. And we met every day wow. as a team for about the first 120 days, every day. And the reason that I thought that it was important to do that was that there were things that were happening so rapidly yeah. that I never wanted someone on the team to hear something in the media before they heard it from me. So it was very important for me to ensure, and we spent, it was 30 minutes, but yeah. first thing in the morning we would spend together, I'd give them an update on the information that I had received, and then also uh, take questions, see what kind of um, things were happening with them, and then we would get on our way into the next day. That was really the cornerstone and help to set the tone for how we would be able to stay pretty solid as a team yeah. throughout the course of kind of the ups and downs during the height of the pandemic. What I love about that is we haven't even got to the theme yet, but you're already hitting on something that I feel is really vital and important that can be missed inside of any organization, any partnership, any team, is that clear communication can make a big difference when there is change, crisis, evolving situations, clear communication. And I say that clearly, right? There are things that can be communicated that don't provide clarity. 
they're just communications. And we're going to go more into that, but I, I just love that that was your thought process, right? Like get everybody on board. That to me shows leadership. That's that's an immediate show of somebody who is a leader and wanting to put their people first. But let's talk a little bit more about you, right? So I was going to ask if you were a native Texan. So now I know. So you've, you've spent some time in a couple different areas. Right. Can you recall some of the favorite places that you did get to travel to when you were um, you were kind of moving with your family? Definitely. So we spent about six years on and off in Germany. Um, oh. So I went to school at the embassy in Bonn, first grade. Second grade was in a town called Wiesbaden. Uh, third grade, I was actually in Fort Bliss. Um, it was a favorite for me because it was the first time that we lived um, in a place that I can recall that we, where we had a TV and we had phone, right? <laughs> and cable was just coming out. So I was like, wow, this is awesome. Um, the amenities. Grade, no, seriously. So fourth grade in Philadelphia, fifth grade in a town called Spengdalem, sixth grade and seventh grade in Bitburg. And so my favorite places are uh, in, in, that I lived uh, would be in Germany. That is beautiful. Um, I loved it there. It was a very um, robust experience in that it exposed me to people that um, you know didn't look like me, didn't speak like me, and we found a way to um, have fun and yeah. be able to communicate with one another because we didn't live on the American base. Oh, okay. No, we lived out in the German community. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so you guys really, took the path less traveled. We did, we did. And it really kind of forces you, as, especially as in its kids are resilient so they can figure it out yeah, yeah and they can figure out how to play with each other regardless of what language they're speaking <laughs> kids are gonna have a good did. time <laughs> and we did we yeah. had a good time together yeah. and uh and, and it was life-changing for me i think that exposure is so important being able to step into spaces that you're not accustomed to helps you to expand your thought process it helps you to grow it helps you to see the world differently do you equate some of that exposure to your success that you're having now, having to lead you know, a large organization? 100%. If I had not had that exposure, especially at such a young age, I may not even understand how to um, put myself in someone else's shoes. I really wish and hope and, and feel strongly, frankly, that we should expect every American kid to spend some time somewhere. I agree. Just yep. not in their neighborhood. Yep. And I don't care if it's a week, if it's two weeks. Yep. That time is so eye-opening. And it's exactly what you said. It helps to make sure that you are opening your thought process, yes. opening your mind to something different than what you might see and experience day to day. I think you have to have that because what happens when you are siloed is you have groupthink. And right. when, you get, when you get exposed to groupthink, I think that mob mentality and groupthink two of the most dangerous things. I think groupthink is a little worse because it's it's so insulated. Mom mentality, people kind of can join along right. the way. Maybe there's a stopping point. I think when you have groupthink, you're so insulated that there's no way of getting outside of it. I also was fortunate enough to travel, you know, as a younger individual, parents split. So I got to go to Colorado, go to Chicago. I traveled all across the country to visit my family, family reunions. And I also tell people, because I'm always driven towards leadership, always driven towards communication and talking to people. I don't think I'd be that person had I not had that exposure. Right. It wouldn't have happened because there's a curiosity I think you get when you start to get exposed to other cultures. When you step into a new space, you're more curious than you are concerned. Do you feel like that's kind of what happened for you? It, it is because I remember one of the places where we lived, we 
I don't know that I even recognized it at the time, but we lived on a farm. <laughs> and our landlord uh, had a couple of buildings, and one of the main homes was where she and her husband lived, and then another home on the on the farm, her daughter and her family lived, and then another home um, she had available for um, for military families. Wow. And you know, we had an apple orchard in our backyard, we had a cow pasture across the street, and yet it just seemed so normal. Yeah. And so having, you know, that experience, even just within that small compound, if you will, yeah. was really something that exposed me um, to families. And I remember this, and I'll share with you, this is so funny. There was one of, one of the, uh, her, her, the grandson, her son, it was, his name was really shot. <laughs> and uh, when I was, I just couldn't pick it up. I didn't understand what they were saying. And so one night we were in their home having dinner together. They invited us uh, to have dinner with their family. And um, they said, it's Richard. And I'm like, oh, this shot. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but I just couldn't pick it up. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, again, something so seemingly innocuous, but being able to communicate with someone and say their name yes. and, uh, and and say it in a way that wasn't like, you know, yeah. say it and, 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 mean and look it. them in their eyes. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that was important to me. And, uh, and, and and I don't know why. I was just a kid at the time. But I, what, I, what I do know is that I was uncomfortable not being able to say it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I just appreciated them inviting us into their home and, um, and realizing that I was struggling with that <laughs> but and being kind with it's me. It's the building blocks of character, <laughs> right. in, my, in my opinion. So it's that's that what is what I would look at that. You 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 have those building blocks to who you are and your character. And I'm I'm also the type of person that I want to be able to get your name right. And if I know your name, even if I don't see you very often, I want to be able to when I see you, I want to say your name and say hi to you and acknowledge you as a person because we don't always see the struggles that people are facing, right? Mm -hmm. So for those of us who have some type of mindfulness about us, I feel like it is kind of our responsibility yeah. to be those people, yeah. to be the ones who kind of light up a room and can make someone feel better about themselves because that's not everyone's proclivity. Right. So if, if you right. know that you can, then you should. You right? do it. <laughs> you should. You do it. Um, so I want to talk a little bit more about kind of your time management. Um, because we bounced around schedules and everything to no fault of anybody. You're very busy. You are a very busy person and you should be like you're you're putting in a lot of work. There's a lot that goes into what you do. So I'm curious about how do you manage your time? Like, do you have any best practices, anything that you've done to be able to really help you? to get through such a busy calendar. Yeah, there are a couple things that I strive to do. <laughs> we all, we're all striving, right? right? <laughs> and some days uh, better than others. Yeah. But typically what I try to do is look at my calendar in quarterly increments. Hmm. And each quarter I go in uh, for each month during that quarter and block off just some time for myself. Mm. And that might be taking a trip or it might be driving down and having lunch somewhere. Um, it might be just staying at home and reading a book, but I mm -hmm. need to make sure that I have that time blocked yep. because of the number of meetings and invitations that I do get. <laughs> yep. If I don't have time blocked in advance, then I'm going to be in a world of hurt. Yep. The other thing that I do is uh, I do try to block off. Uh, and if you look at my calendar, you'll just see these holds and it says 
block for work. Mm -hmm. And so what I try to do is to block time on my calendar at least once a week where I can do my own work. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Your deep work, right? Yes, exactly. Not just the all the cuz you probably we won't get into it. I know you have to talk to a lot of different people. You right. got to get in front of people. Um, you you got to do some fundraising. So I can understand. Be like, well, I actually have to do my job now. I have to do my job. <laughs> I, I'm being held accountable for that. I'm holding myself accountable for that. Yeah. So I do block some work time um, mm-hmm. occasionally. I have I haven't been doing as good of a job on that, mm-hmm. but I have been uh, still able to honor the time that I've set aside for myself. Yeah. Each quarter. Yeah. And. I think it's a interesting thing to navigate when you're in that type of a position. Um, I was recently talking to someone about this concept of like tasks versus titles. Mm-hmm. And I think that some people strive for titles without understanding the task associated with them. <laughs> right. So I think for the type of work that you do, you've got a lot of both. You've got, you've got a lot of things that you've got to carry. Not only does the title have some weight to it, but the task also. So it's interesting to hear how you kind of built out a system for yourself, but I'm not surprised just from just the little interaction that we've had. I'm not surprised by that at all. Um, and for you though, right. You talked about some of the inspiration that you have, right. And why you like volunteering and why you like doing what you do. How do you keep that up? Where, how do you keep that fire burning, that motivation going as you kind of get burnt out? I'm sure that you have those moments where you feel a little bit burnt out, feel like you might have hit a wall. Where do you find it inside of you to just keep going and keep at it? So when I get to the point where I hit the wall, mm-hmm. it's usually just more of a physical exhaustion. Mm. The fire is still there because I know so many people need help. Yeah. Right. And there's just not enough people, not enough money, not enough time yeah. to reach everybody that needs the help. So with that at the top of my mind, even though I've hit the wall, that is about me physically recharging myself. Mm-hmm. And when I'm physically recharged, then I just come back and go again. Yeah. Right? So, so that part is, you know, I don't necessarily want to say it's innate, mm-hmm. but it is uh, an, an important part of who I am as a person. Yeah. And, uh, and it's why I, d- I mean, this is not work for me. I love this stuff <laughs> oh. because I can see lives changing. Yeah. Right. So it makes it very easy yeah. each day, regardless almost how tired you are. I, I have to tell myself to take time off because I know physically it's yeah. not smart or healthy <laughs> no. to not do so. Yeah. Um, but if my brain was in control all the time, mm-hmm. I don't know that I would stop because it just is, it's so important and, yeah. uh, and I enjoy it so much. That was a lot of the reason why I wanted to have you on. As soon as your team reached out, I was like, absolutely. Cause the work that you do, is so important and I have volunteered for your group so I understand and I have have had friends that have volunteered for the group so I get that we're only doing a fraction of the work that happens on the bigger scale right and I I kind of want to talk about that when you think about some of the things that you have going on, some of the initiative that you have going on, what does the future look like from your vantage point? That's the first thing that I want to do. And then I've got some other things that I kind of want to talk about specifically with um, United Way, but Mm -hmm. what's the future look like in your opinion? So the future for us is uh, bold and ambitious and uh, we continue to, um, we continue to do some core things that we're well known for. 
but it's important for us to make sure that we understand what exactly is happening within our community and so we spend quite a bit of time through research identifying exactly what those needs are and where they're present because at the end of the day we have to go out and we're fundraising so that we can invest those funds Mm -hmm. exactly where those needs are so the data has to drive Mm -hmm. what you know what we do and so that is what is the baseline for what we have been doing but it also has help to frame what the future is. And the future for us, there are a couple of new initiatives that we're working on. Uh, One has to do with uh, infant mortality and really helping um, moms um, both on the improved maternal morbidity and maternal mortality. And if you you look at some of the statistics for our area, Mm -hmm. we're not we're not doing well. No. We're not doing well as a state, and uh, and as a city, Fort Worth isn't doing very well in uh, in some areas. Yeah, and most of these things are preventable. So yeah. we'll that that's something new, and that's you know just part of the vision for the future. When we say healthy and thriving families. It means all families. Yeah. And the other thing that is new for us is a, a youth gun violence prevention initiative. Mm-hmm. So working closely with our police department, yeah. with our city and county, school districts, and hospital systems to you know to help provide alternatives so young people um, don't find themselves in a position where they've made a bad choice Mm -hmm. and that either results in loss of life or severe injury that uh, you know stays with them or their families you know forever we want to interrupt that cycle and uh, you know I'm really excited about some of the work that we've got uh, kicking off on that is amazing that is absolutely amazing and being a recent father and seeing people who haven't gotten to a point where they can actually have the child and just seeing some of the things that can it can devastate uh it could devastate a family union it can it devastates individuals i i did not anticipate having a a kid we talked about it it was not something that was on my radar and then we did and now i can't live without her right (laughs) so and i know that i am blessed and fortunate to be able to have that but not everybody does so I think that it's really cool that that's something that is on the forefront of your mind of what you want to do so before we get into the theme which is where we're heading to next um, what can you tell people about ways that they can contribute volunteer and connect with the United Way all of the links and everything will be in the description for the for the show so don't worry but from from the from the boss herself well what are some ways that people can can help and provide value to united way um there are so many things to do that when you said that you and your colleagues volunteer i can't tell you that that's the lifeblood of what we're able to do we wouldn't be able to touch as many lives as we do without volunteers so that is so important for us and the other thing is is that it's capacity, which is money, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So yeah. I'll give you an example. There's a program that we have that is um, really important, and it's almost, we use it as a kind of an anti-poverty type of program. It's simple. It's volunteer income tax assistance. We do uh, tax preparation for households that earn oh, wow. $60,000 and less. And in doing so, it helps us to ensure that they get all the tax deductions that they qualify so the refund is pretty generous yeah and we help them understand how to save a part of it uh, make an emergency fund pay down some debt and things like that but it's important to know that we're only touching eight percent of the eligible households and the reason that is is we don't have enough people 
mm. to reach more 10% or 20%. Mm. That's significant because with the 8% that we're touching, which is anywhere from 8 to 10,000 households, if the average refund is 1500 to $2,500, that's going into each household's pocket. The, the compound that. You just Correct. compound that. And then when you spend it, that's helping local sales tax receipts. It's Everybody wins. That's exactly <laughs> right. So getting back to instead of doing 8%, mm-hmm. now do the math for 20%, yep. 50%, 80% yep. eligible households. You're talking hundreds of millions of dollars yep. back into Tarrant County yep. coffers. Yeah. That's where we want it to be. That's a win. That's a big win. So I'll have links and things. I'll I'll work with your team. I'll get some links. So that way we can have information in the description of the show. Make sure that we can try to get some donations, volunteer events, whatever the case may be, any collaborations or anything like that. I want people who hear this and feel called to, to be able to tap in with you. So you have told me about yourself, um, your processes. I think it is really cool, again, that you even decided to sit down with me. Now we're going to step into the theme. Let's do it. So the theme for this season is communication. And really what I'm looking at is various forms of communication and the impact that they have on our daily lives. So the quote that I'm kind of using as my true north is the biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. <laughs> so that's yes. kind of the, that's kind of the true north here, and you kind of already touched on this a little bit. Um, so I don't, I'm not going to ask you your process for communication because you've kind of given me some information there. Um, but what have you found to be the most effective way to communicate in your line of work? Oh my goodness, this face to face conversation for yeah. me yeah. is among the most effective ways for me to communicate, which is why it's important for me to have those routine touch points with my team, with my family, uh, because it's something to say, I can send out an email, I can send out a blast voicemail, but when you're looking eyeball to eyeball at someone, (laughs) you understand the context and the tone and the feeling and emotion behind that. And so I lean on other tools to Mm. supplement direct as much as possible direct communication and if it's for some reason not possible then I'll shoot a video yeah and we'll send the video out yeah but um, I, I need people to be able to see me hear my voice look at my body language get yep. all those cues and uh, and that way it reduces misunderstanding miscommunication miscommunication is a killer in anything we already hit on it but it is a killer in relationships friendships, working relationships. If you are saying something and someone's not receiving it, whether they didn't understand the tone, uh, they didn't understand how you actually felt, whatever the case may be, that just starts a spiral. It's a slippery slope when you do it like that. I'm curious for you though, because you have to talk to your staff. You have to talk to people who might want to partner with you, people that might want to donate to you, um, whether you have big donors that you have to meet with. How do you maintain your own integrity and your own sense of self while clearly having to kind of change a little bit? You have to adapt, not change, adapt. I think that's a better word. How do you adapt to various types of individuals that are coming to you for various types of things? Well, you have to listen. Mm. And, And which is 
you know, can be difficult at yeah. times. Yep. So I try my best to be a good listener. I'm listening for certain cues or words that might be spoken to me, and that helps me to understand how and what needs to be delivered back, in what tone. Um, so trying to also read body language. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's really important, though, to hear the person, and, uh, and that takes practice, active, active practice, mm-hmm. to ensure that you are doing just that, that you're hearing. And only then can you respond in a way that they would hope that you would respond. Now, at the end of the day, if I'm going out to make a presentation, which I do on a regular basis, then you're just going to get me. Right? <laughs> now, I'll do my homework in advance. I'll understand my audience. I'll make sure mm-hmm. that I've done my part. But I've probably been invited for whatever reason. There's a reason, you know, right? There's a reason right? you're in the space. Yep. That's right. So, um, so if it's individual one-on-one listening for the things that are being said to me if it's presenting understanding the audience and and the culture of that organization or team or whatever and uh and the combination of all of those things helps to again mitigate um things that i'm not saying i want things to be very clear as clear as possible and uh, and whenever i have the chance always leave time for questions awesome this has been fantastic. This has kind of gone above my expectation. You never know what you expect when yeah. you're bringing someone into a new space. And, you know, this is our first time meeting in person. I thank you so much for the time, for listening, for sharing your insights with everyone here. I do want to ask you one more question. Um, when you think about giving back and when you think about helping other people right is there any advice that you would give to the audience about how to step into that space and maybe do something that they have always had on their mind but never actually leaned into it definitely so i will tell you uh back when i was just moving into town and trying to figure out how to get engaged actually there was a program through united way back then it was called blueprint for board service and it was a training program that helped to get you prepared in understanding governance and and policies in managing nonprofit organizations what they did at the end of that was they matched you up with different organizations. Some of them may have been in education or healthcare. Some of them may have been serving adults or people with cancer or whatever. So connecting with something that you're passionate about. So finding that thing. Maybe you want to serve on a city board or commission, right? Start watching them. They're all public. You can yeah. see if you are interested in serving on a nonprofit. Um, go to a couple of their events. See how they operate. Make sure that their values meet with your values and if they do sign up to volunteer you never know you may be the next ceo (laughs) thank you so much again this is leah king this has been fantastic you guys know where you can find me on instagram at it's underscore probably underscore the letter u and our website www.itsprobablyu.com i will have all the links and information in the description below so you can tap in with the united way and if at any point you felt guilty it's probably you (laughs) 